This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Yeah, rights in movies and TV shows is kind of crazy. So it's unfortunate because I think if you watch the original Superman movie serial and Adam Man versus Superman, you'd like them, except, of course, the flying scenes were kind of pathetic. You <laughs> occasionally saw Kirk Allen doing something, but mostly he becomes a cartoon. A very hastily drawn cartoon, might I add. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Columbia did have um, animation. However, their animation was sort of the worst of the worst. Uh, Into the late 1940s, they were still making black and white cartoons. Uh, at a time when uh, uh, cartoons had been had given over had been given over to color, uh, Technicolor, that is, uh, you know, ten years before that, with every other studio. Um, so they did have, uh, you know, animation, but it was bottom tier. Everything's done to a price, but at Columbia, you know, Harry Cohn was so tight fisted and I'm sure that killed the director's soul <laughs> to, to, to have the crappy animation, but there wasn't any way that you know, the director was going to get anything better, sadly enough. Now, in addition to the stars having mixed careers after their, famous movie serials, the supporting players, the character actors, went from film to film. And I mentioned to you in our little chat before we started, Lyle Talbot. He played the neighbor on Ozzie and Harriet, remember him? But he was also in the Batman movie serial with Robert Lowry as Batman. He was Commissioner Gordon. That same year, he was Luthor in Adamant vs. Superman. I just wonder how the kids reacted to that. Oh, my God, that's Luther. Well, I, I have to say, if you take a look at Lyle Talbot's career, he has uh, an incredibly impressive filmography. Uh, he, worked up t- he worked up until the point where he was in his 80s. He took any job that anyone ever offered him. Terrible movie for 200 bucks. Fine, I'm in it. <laughs> uh, great film where he's in it for two minutes. Fine. He, he accepted all of those parts. He lived on television uh, into the 50s as well. He, he just seemed to be sort of that everyman actor that who, who was fortunate enough, really, uh, to get cast uh, so often, so frequently. He was very good. It wasn't just being cast. I mean, as Luthor, he was as good as any of them. Yeah, and but I hate to say it, though. Uh, when it comes to uh, serials and lesser studios, if you can get through uh, the scene without needing a second take, <laughs> you're, you're going to be in my next picture. Uh, and a lot of it was just, you know, sh- well, and that's 90% of life, is showing up and knowing what you're supposed to be doing, right? And you, know, a lot of these people, you know, when you do, let's say you're watching an episode of Perry Mason, you see a lot, or, or the series, actually, as I do, you see a lot of the same people cycling through um, you know, season after season. 
They may have been friends of Raymond Burr's, uh, but most likely they weren't causing problems. They were e- e- it was easy to get the episode in the can with a lot of these actors, and he must have had a great memory. He must have had a, a, an incredible talent for remembering lines. It's Lyle Talbot again, because he was in so many things. If you look at his filmography, it, it is it, it's mind blowing. It, it really impressive uh, from start to finish too. You know, he retired a few years before he passed away, but in, he worked steadily. You know, he wasn't one of those actors whose career just sort of died. Um, and, you know, and as a good character actor too, I mean, he knew what he knew what he was doing. He, he could he could read his lines you know effectively. He could you know, embody the character uh, if he had enough of one to play. Obviously, um, you have to have some lines though uh, in order to be able to do that. Uh, but but yeah, great journeyman actor. You know, uh, worked forever and was never bad in anything. Now let me just—you mentioned Perry Mason before. The character of the DA right. Hamilton Berger was played by William Talman. Yes, he was fired from the show because he got involved in some kind of crazy drug thing or something. He went and to he, a pot party, from what I understand. He, uh, he went to a pot party. Yes, uh, in the late 1950s or early 1960s. And they did boot him off the show uh, for a while. Um, They were able to get him back on the show because he wasn't convicted. So uh, no harm, no foul there. And uh, they did get him back. But there was there's a I can't remember which season it is, either the third season or the fourth season, where he is out for at least half of the episodes because of that. And William Talman was a fantastic actor. Uh, if you ever watch, uh, if you're a fan of film noir uh, from the 40s and 50s, you'll find him popping up all the time. And unlike being Hamilton Berger, the district attorney on Perry Mason, he's very often a bad guy in film noir, and he's a great one. He's 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 so good at being the antagonist. I could see the menace, but also they played Hamilton Berger as a villain in a sense, in Perry Mason, because he was always the district attorney who was too quick to pick somebody and have them charged with a crime, and then in almost every case, Perry Mason wins. Another interesting minor sidelight here, because of our paranormal beginnings here and our leanings, William Talman's cousin was a guy named James W. Mosley, very well known in the UFO field, one of my closest friends over the years. And so I heard an inside story about Talman and what he did from his first cousin, just to let you know. Oh, that, that is very cool. You know, he, uh, William Talman passed away so long ago. Um, I think he died in 1968. And, and again, he was very young. He was just in his early 50s. He had lung cancer. He was a very heavy smoker. Um, and, uh, you gosh, the, if you watch Perry Mason, the only one who's not smoking is Della. You know, everybody else is, is lighting them up one after, one after the other. Um, you, um, well, uh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, Ray Collins, who was, uh, Inspector Track. Yes. Lieutenant Track, Lieutenant Track, I should say, uh, died during the run of the series. Uh, in 1965, he'd been ill for a number of years and was having trouble uh, remembering his lines. Uh, but they kept him on. Uh, and, and if you watch the, the series, um, two years after he stopped you know, appearing in episodes, they still kept him on the cast list so they could pay him. 
which I which I think is just remarkable. Uh, that that would never happen today. Um, and you um, now that I think, well, uh, William Hopper uh, didn't live very long either. He was Paul Drake, and, and was in some great science fiction films in the 1950s. And the son of Hedda Hopper, the gossip columnist, uh, former actress turned gossip columnist. I guess I should say. Let's get back to the movie serials and the low-budget sci-fi films. And I started watching them. The first ones I saw were Flash Gordon with Buster Crab. Uh, Buster Crab's uh, Flash Gordon uh, serials are so much fun. He's a, you have, he, there again, not a trained actor, but he's very athletic, uh, a very handsome guy, uh, good build, uh, and was really a natural uh, to play Flash Gordon. He was believable, which is a very important acting skill. Well, unaffected. I, I, that might be a better way uh, to put it. Uh, he, he was there again. It was a B movie. He was there to do a job and to do it quickly. But he did it very efficiently and really looked the part as much as anything else. Well, Flash Gordon, to some degree, influenced Star Wars. And I think in terms of the character Ming the Merciless who influenced Darth Vader. In fact, the Ming March, or theme, influenced John Williams for the Darth Vader theme. And, of course, Ming the Merciless was played by Charles Middleton, who was also a very busy character actor. He was. uh, And uh, you advanced in years by the time he uh, was cast as Ming the Merciless. Um, Star Wars, if you watch it, is, is greatly... Uh, inspired by uh, the um, sci-fi serials from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, greatly. Obviously, and we've got more with Brian, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Pedicast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. 
Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com, or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Going back, Brian was talking about the influence from early sci-fi movies and serials in Star Wars that George Lucas took all a lot of his inspiration from them he certainly did um and uh, if you'll look back at the number of serials that were produced especially in the 30s and some in the 40s uh, a lot of westerns were serialized as well and you know going back and watching star wars again a lot of the elements of the western serials sort of jump out at you too it is very good versus evil um, you know, it's, it's a very black and white script, Star Wars is. And, um, you know, a lot of that there, again, you know, goes back to the serials. Uh, they are, uh, you know, black and white. They, they are good versus evil. There, there's an antagonist and there's a protagonist. Later on, of course, they tried to make Darth Vader into a more sympathetic character. I, who started yeah. out good, but then became lured by the dark side. And you know what? Uh, the original Star Wars, I think, is the the original film is the best uh, of the bunch. Tell you the truth, I don't think any of the sequels, you know, have, have touched the original. Just for just for how earnest it is. Well, they had no expectation of great success with Star Wars. After that, 
the money influenced the way the films were prepared, scripted, and marketed. Very uh, sadly, but that that is very true. Uh, I would agree with that. But if you remember back to Star Wars, I, I, and I was a I was a child when I saw. Well, oh god, adolescent. We'll, we'll say that. I think I was twelve when that movie came out in nineteen seventy seven huge impact at the theater uh we had to, we stood in line for i don't know how long just to go see the movie my, my dad uh, took me to see it he's a big sci-fi fan uh, as well and you know in the days before uh hbo and um vhs uh you went to the you went to the movies a lot a lot more back then than certainly now and that's that, that's something I think we that's lost in culture that we don't have that communal shared experience of going to the theater, you know, week after week to see uh, an episode of a serial uh, and to see the, the main feature. We we just don't have that anymore. It's a shame. Right now, the only reason people see a movie for the most part is when they have a blockbuster. And as I mentioned to you before the show began, I think, for example, the superhero movies we have today they take the basic concept from the early sci-fi and serials and regular films with superheroes they add 500,000 times to the budget from you know $500,000 to 300 million they get slightly better actors slightly tighter scripts a lot on special effects but fundamentally it's the same movie but that's the that's the uh, most wonderful thing about film production. You're selling the same thing over and over again. <laughs> you, you, you milk it for all it's worth. Now, I also look at the failures, films that failed for one reason or another. One film I particularly liked was Billy Zane as The Phantom. And he had a great group of supporting players. Treat Williams played <clears throat> the villain. Xander Drax, is it? And I remember the scene where he's playing with these skulls, generating these strange powers, and he has this evil smile on his face, and he says, I love this. And I just think he really must have liked that role, the way he played it. Well, um, it, what a fun role to play, too. Um, you, it, it is, you are essentially you know, a comic book coming to life. Uh, in these roles, and the, the actors should enjoy them because these are fun to play. This is you know, what every what every child ever wanted to do. Really, was to just to put you know, put on a mask and a cape and uh, go out and have at it. These are these should be fun films to make. They really should be. The film I, we all mentioned here is the one in 1996. He was also featured in movie serials, The Phantom, and that character goes back to the 1930s. But if you look at who was in it, Billy Zane, of course, you remember him from Titanic, Treat Williams, Christy Swanson, one of the early roles from Catherine Zeta-Jones, and of course, James Remar, who is just terrific at everything he does. He's another one of those character actors who can play good guys and bad guys. I always let it drop for you to comment. Are you still there? I'm still here. I was waiting for you to answer about the Phantom. Did you see that? I, I, you cut out. I missed some of that. 
Uh, the cast uh, of the 1996 um, fa- The Phantom is fantastic. Uh, you've got uh, a, a wonderful cast list. And even if you go down into uh, some of the supporting characters, Samantha Agar is in it, Patrick McGowan, John Tenney. Uh, th- there's some great talent here. Patrick McGowan plays the ghost of The Phantom's father. Yes, as a matter of fact, he does. I thought they meant to try to have that film become part of a series, but kind of bombed at the box office. Well, and you you, you see that anymore. Um, you know, and there again, that goes back to the serials where uh, you ha- have a sort of cliffhanger, and you do want to see the next episode, and you will if the uh, first film does well enough at the box office to spawn a sequel. Unfortunately, you know, it's all about money, and if that first film doesn't connect, uh, the chances of seeing a sequel are very remote, sadly enough. Interesting. I grew up, but of course, The Shadow was on the radio, and I'd listened to an all-night radio show called Long John Neville or Long John's Party Line. This was one of the first shows to feature long discussions on the paranormal. This is before we had, of course, Coast to Coast. All right? This was the originator of that thing. And one of his regular guests was a writer and magician named Walter B. Gibson. And I later learned that in the pulp magazine... The Shadow, he wrote many of those stories. So there's wow. the Shadow. Yeah. And, of course, there was this movie in the mid-'90s. Alec Baldwin plays Lamont Cranston and The Shadow. I thought he was great in it, but the movie also didn't do so well. Yeah, you know, I, I'm... Gosh, that movie's about 30 years ago, too, and, I, and my viewing of it is <laughs> probably 30 years ago as well. Um, it had... It had the right look, I thought. Um, I I'm struggling to remember Alec Baldwin's uh, performance, however, and that's not to say anything bad about it or anything. I, I just it just doesn't stand out for me. But there again, this is another film with a terrific cast: uh, Peter Boyle, uh, Ian McClellan, Penelope Ann Miller, Tim Curry, uh, and Jonathan Winters in a really late role as well. Uh, it, it does have a fantastic cast. It's a shame that it didn't connect a little, didn't connect better, um, you know, with uh, viewers. Now, of course, this particular film, Alec Baldwin had this menace in his eyes, like he's a troubled, psychologically disturbed superhero, which is kind of reminiscent of Batman. And now, of course, in his personal life, we realize maybe he wasn't acting. We've got more with Brian, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented Made in America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com. 
Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. USA News Update. The special counsel's inquiry into President Biden's management of classified materials raising concerns about his cognitive acuity, so much so that Republican Rep. Claudia Tenney now wants the cabinet to explore the Constitution's 25th Amendment to remove President Biden from office following that report that described him as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Senator Chris Murphy, a Democrat from Connecticut, dealing with backlash from saying that illegal immigrants are the people we care about most and referring to undocumented Americans. That comment went viral, people calling it an oxymoron, others saying this was Murphy admitting the Democratic Party's honest view on the issue. Corey Myers, USA News. Most folks don't realize this fact. Our country is only four missed meals away from chaos, and those meals can vanish fast. In a national emergency, fragile supply chains break down and will wipe grocery store shelves clean in a matter of hours. Before this happens, there's something you should do today. Let's stock up on emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply is the company millions of American families trust for their emergency supplies. You should, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each kit contains delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and other survival necessities. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day, fast. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Those who know what's coming, prepare before the chaos starts. MyPatriotSupply.com Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. You're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? So we were talking there about the film with Alec Baldwin, which goes back to 1994, called The Shadow, and all the great players who were in it and everything like that. 
And the thing is here, the shadow has been done as a radio show was quite successful. They had these ultra B movies in the 30s and 40s featuring the shadow. I don't think it ever translated beyond that. They had a TV pilot from the 50s. But the shadow to me, or maybe it's too much of a period piece, would seem a terrific character, especially if you looked at his ability to hide himself from people. That power would have been great if it was done right. But it never was. The shadow never transferred to film as well as it did for radio. No, it didn't. And, you know, uh, the shadow has uh, a lot of noir overtones to it. And noir seems to be out (laughs) right now. Uh, We haven't seen any great crime dramas for a while now. I'm sure that they will come back around at some point. And and when they do, uh, I do think that things like, uh, you know, characters like Dick Tracy and the shadow uh, may see a resurgence then. Dick Tracy, from the comic books to the movies, I guess they probably did radio. The movies, the major player in the movies was Ralph Bird. Yes. And he seemed great as Dick Tracy. I don't know if he had any career after that. He passed away, (laughs) sadly enough. That's one reason. um, Well, he made the transition to television uh, with the Dick Tracy character. It was a, a very inexpensive ABC television uh, show starting in 1951. ABC was sort of the bottom uh, of the barrel at the time when it came to television networks. They they struggled for a long time. Uh, We were talking about Dumont previously, and a lot of uh, Dumont stations became ABC stations when Dumont folded up in 1956. But uh, Ralph Bird had made the transition to the series on ABC and uh, had a sudden heart attack and passed away. He was very young. He was only 43 years old. Barely got started. And you think if he had survived, and in today's medicine he probably would have, if he had survived, that Dick Tracy thing could have gone on to become a pretty, pretty decent program and lasted a few years. It well could have. Uh, And um, at his age, you know, know, the Dick Tracy character doesn't require the level of physicality as, uh, let's say, Superman or the Phantom might. So he could have carried that on, you know, into his twilight years, perhaps. Because with Dick Tracy, you just just need the black hair uh, kind of swooped back and you're good to go. I was disappointed with the 1990 Dick Tracy movie. I know it did well at the box office. I said we all were. (laughs) The Warren Beatty version of uh, Dick Tracy, it should have worked. You know, um, it had a lot of money behind it. It had, uh, you know, some very powerful actors uh, in it. Well, Warren Beatty and Madonna was in it. Lots of marketing was generated for it, and it just didn't go anywhere. It looked good, but it didn't didn't have any soul, really. it, It looked great. Uh, but you just kind of got the feeling that you were watching a two-hour ad. Well, also, Warren Beatty seemed a little bit wishy-washy as Dick Tracy. He didn't have that square-jawed kind of look from the comic character and kind of the look that Ralph Bird brought on. I just think if they had somebody else in that role, it might have worked better. But I don't think that the movie would have been made had it not been for Warren Beatty. Well, he produced and directed it, so, you know, there you go. And uh, you maybe you're right. Perhaps he was a little too handsome 
to be um, Dick Tracy. And not to take anything away from Ralph Bird, but he, he wasn't that handsome guy. But he does have, you know, if you look at uh, the Dick Tracy comic strip you know, from the 40s or 50s, he does have that, that same jawline. He does have a, a very similar look. And, of course, the first Apple Watch. Oh, I've, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, he talked to people with his watch. Calling right. Dick Tracy, calling Dick Tracy. It's fun to see how much of the technology that you see in these old um, serials uh, and the old sci-fi films actually have actually happened. You know, we, we, we actually have these products now. You know, especially the screens and such. It's fun to see how much of that really came true. Back to Flash Gordon, the spaceships or rocket ships were interesting because they looked totally unlike our traditional image of rocket ships, which dates back to the early 50s and late 40s. The reason is here, of course, is that Republic also used that same basic design for its sci-fi serials. As I recall, and you, you, you two would know more about this than I do, but prior to 1950, we don't have a photograph of a spaceship, do we? Well, we have, of course, the reports of UFOs in the real world. Right. We have drawings and we have the reports, but we don't really have, before, like I said, before 1950, we don't really have any photographs that we can you know, go back and research. Well, um, we do I, have the V-2 rocket. That influenced a lot of the classic look of early spaceships, and that goes back to the 1940s. Yeah, but uh, you know, Buster Crab's Flash Gordon is you know, starts in 36, so no, no V2 rockets then. So I mean, yeah, the, at that at that point, the only rockets were just like little, almost like model rockets. Right, right, almost a novelty, maybe more than anything else. Uh, the technology that came out of World War II was stupendous if you think about it and, and how much it really vaulted uh, the world forward technologically. But even then, going into the 50s, Republic was using those images from the 30s and Flash Gordon when they well, did King of the Rocket Men and Commando Cody with a rocket suit. They were just using the same techniques, I think the same special effects people as Captain Marvel. And it matched up really well if you were going to use any stock footage. You see, that was another thing about it, too. When they made these movies, they reused footage constantly, like the Adventures of Captain Marvel's 12 chapters. So two minutes of the episode is taken up by the recap, and then they resolve the cliffhanger. And then the flying scenes are all repeated over and over again. Many of the fight scenes are repeated over and over again. Many of the car chase scenes are repeated over and over again. And by doing this, by reusing the footage in different settings, you're able to save money on the budget. Oh, significantly so. Uh, and there again, that goes back to the, uh, the poverty row origins of most of the studios uh, that did turn out the serials. They had to use you know, stock footage. Uh, they had to reuse a lot of the footage that they actually did shoot to stretch those serials out into a four-hour running time. But if you look at the more modern shows, even the adventures of Superman and stuff, even more recent, say Superman and Lois on the CW, which is coming to its fourth and final season, you see reused footage of Superman flying. Oh, certainly. And, you know, and, and if, if that's all you need to do, if you just need to you know, show, uh, let's say, um, 
uh, George Reeves' Superman uh, flying. Yeah, why, why wouldn't you reuse it? They weren't too bad. They weren't done badly. Some of the scenes weren't that great. You can see almost though he's being held up by the wires or something. But other scenes, considering they had a non-existent budget, were very good. And I should mention this also about Adventures of Superman, to save budgets. What they did here was prepare all the scripts in advance and then film all the portions of an episode in a single setting, like, for example, in Perry White's office. Every scene of every episode that involves something in Perry White's office was filmed in a series of sequences. Then they filmed the stuff in Clark Kent's office or Lois Lane's office, etc. So this way, you not only had to cheapen the sets, you didn't have to set up again. You set up once and you do all the scenes and edit them together later. Well, one of the things that uh, influenced uh, the um, relatively impoverished nature of the Adventures of Superman, too, was that they switched to color uh, for the third season. Color stock was a lot more expensive than black and white stock back then. Let's continue with Brian, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. 
Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. This is Be the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. Of course, and they had to develop a full-color uniform for Superman, Brian. And also there, wasn't that one of the first TV shows to actually film in color? I believe so. Color broadcasting uh, started uh, at NBC in 1953 as a way to sell uh, color television sets from RCA. But they were uh, color televisions back then were horribly expensive. Uh, color film stock uh, was very expensive as well. Black and white was you know, far cheaper. And I think that's one of the things that has kept the adventures of Superman on television for the last you know, 70 plus years is the fact that so many of the episodes were shot in color. I know the first two seasons were not. Uh, Plot-wise, I think the first two seasons were much, much better. I think with the third season on, Kellogg's bought this major sponsorship of the show, and they made it more appealing to kids. Right, exactly. Um, and you, know, as a result, uh, Superman was a very popular uh, character among children uh, in the 1950s. And George Reeves was very popular uh, with children as well. He did a lot of uh, public appearances as Superman. Kind of interesting here, because in private life, he was a heavy smoker and drinker. But he couldn't do that in public because he's Superman. That's true, and you don't want Superman to have a lot of vices, do you? <laughs> so, you, you don't want to see him, you know, firing up a an L and M, you know, and then washing it down with, uh, you know, a bottle of whiskey. Um, but the, I, I think it's refreshing, though, that you know, back in the day, uh, actors really did try to you know, put their best foot forward, uh, to put on the best face possible. 
uh, for their audiences. You don't get that anymore, unfortunately. And some really took their roles personally. And I'll give you a couple of examples. William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy. Yes. He lived that role to almost the end of his days, even when the shows ended. And actors like Boyd uh, didn't want to let the character down. They didn't want to let their audiences down. And I think it's remarkable that somebody uh, would... They would want their uh, performance and, you know, and their public persona to not uh, injure the character uh, that they had created. I think that's fabulous. It's, I wish we still had people like that in Hollywood. Well, of course, Clayton Moore is a Lone Ranger. Now, Clayton Moore portrayed villains quite often in B-movies. Yeah, uh, Clayton Moore, uh, the Lone Ranger, uh, did portray a heavy in uh, a number of serials, including Radar Secret Service, which is a fun serial, uh, a very low-budget one, however. And then he became the Lone Ranger. And one year, though, another actor took over. I think he had a salary dispute or something with the studio. Uh, He did. Um, Clayton Moore became heavily identified with the role as the Lone Ranger. Uh, And again, you know, much like uh, George Reeves um, took it very seriously. He was, he was, he loved being the Lone Ranger. Uh, And it was, it's, it's what we remember of him now, you know, Um, but, uh, and salary disputes happen. You know, he was you know, the TV series Lone Ranger ran for oh golly I think seven or eight seasons it was on for a long time and I'm sure that you know in some ways it killed Clayton Moore's career um, being the Lone Ranger on the other hand for us it was his career it's what we remember um, now John Hart uh, another actor uh, also portrayed. Uh, the Lone Ranger, in a number of episodes uh, for this, the series. It phys- physically, he looked something like Clayton Moore. Uh, they, they had uh, similar facial structure as well. So with with the mask, you know, it works pretty well. Um, however, you know, as I said, you know, Clayton Moore was just so identified uh, with the role that for the rest of his life, even after they took his mask away from him, uh, he still did public appearances and still embodied the, the character of the Lone Ranger. When he couldn't wear the mask anymore because of what the studio said, he actually wore these dark glasses, very heavy glasses. Right. And when I was a kid, that's how I remember uh, Clayton Moore appearing. Um yeah, uh, Clayton Moore, uh, as I said, embodied uh, you know, the spirit of the Lone Ranger. And it's uh, kind of an interesting series you know, for the time. I mean, it came on in 1949. That was the, the dawn of television uh, in America. The regular programming for the networks really didn't start until 1946, 1947. So it's amazing that you know, the character has lived on that long. Fortunately for the Lone Ranger, these were shot on 16-millimeter film. And that's the thing that has helped preserve series like the Lone Ranger, I Love Lucy, uh, since they were shot, you know, on film and they didn't air live and then were kinescoped. Uh, they've you know, survived in reruns 
and they're still you know still very watchable in terms of the quality of the sound and the image. And then, of course, we had Jay Silverheels as Tonto, who was a real Native American, as I recall. Yes, and th- you know that kind of com- camaraderie uh, you didn't find you know in westerns back then. Indians, uh, well, Native Americans, uh, it, but 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 then referred to as Indians, I should say. Uh, were almost always cast in a negative light in uh, you know, in westerns. Uh, they weren't to be trusted. Um, they were basically bad people, you know. Essentially, in a lot of the narratives that you saw in westerns, especially in the '30s and '40s, and you know, this was you know, a, a real friendship that we we got to see uh, on tel- on television. Um, and I think you know, a lot of what happened just a few years before that in World War II, um, you know, helped pave the way for a character like Tonto uh, in the form of uh, actor Jay Silverheels. Well, it was better than having a regular American portray a Native American character. That was pretty good. But he didn't have much of a career after that because he was Tonto. Exactly. And there again, uh, very, very heavily identified uh, with that character. And we forget here, it's in the legend of the two characters, but the people who created the Lone Ranger back in the 30s and 40s also created a direct descendant of the Lone Ranger in modern times. Now, although seldom mentioned, the Lone Ranger's real name was John Reed. He was part of a group of Texas Rangers that were ambushed. Now, Britt Reed, same last name, Reed, the Green Hornet. Oh, oh, the Green Hornet. That's a, that's a really fun uh, serial. And I loved the TV show from the uh, mid-60s, uh, which was uh, you know, shot concurrently with uh, Batman. Um, same, same studio as ABC, uh, same production company uh, as well. And uh, you know, Van um, Williams uh, portrayed the Green Hornet on television, along with uh, Bruce Lee as Cato. Uh, and that, that is, there are a lot of parallels there as well. And the thing about Bruce Lee is, as the series progressed, it was only on for one season, they gave him meteor roles, meteor scripts uh, with more of a positive image. And he wasn't just the valet who occasionally does a karate kick or something. He was a direct partner of Britt Reed in Solving Crimes. Yes, uh, he was, uh, you know, very, it was integral to the, the plots as well. Unfortunately, Bruce Lee was paid you know, very little um, for his time on The Green Hornet. I believe he made something like $400 an episode. Privately, he and Van Williams were very, very good friends, and Van Williams, as uh, much as he could, uh, tried to stump for uh, Bruce Lee being more of a central character in each episode. And as we saw after the series, you know, Van Williams, uh, I think a lot of it was by choice, but he sort of faded away uh, from acting. And Bruce Lee, you know, we all know what happened to him. Uh, very sad. Now, as you can see in this episode, we're only scratching the surface here when it comes to lore about sci-fi B films, movie serials, superhero films, etc., etc. So we're going to have our special guest back for the After the Paracast podcast. That's an exclusive special feature 
of the Paracast Plus. For more information, go to theparacast.plus. More with Bruce Lee, Van Williams, the Green Hornet. With Brian, Gene, and Tim, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com, that's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com, or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. 